Peace be upon you. So when I was uh, pretty young, I used to love to learn. I used to love to read books and, you know, watch documentaries and just spend you know, hours in the, uh, the library. And around the, uh, the time of junior high, all of a sudden it's like, you know, life kind of takes a, takes a 180 and everything just seems so meaningless. Like you'd go to school and uh, you'd sit through all this class and it would just fill you with all this kind of, you know, information and you'd go home. Uh, take a nap, <laughs> do some homework, eat dinner, do some more homework, and repeat. And I can say, you know, between like about seventh grade to uh, sophomore year of high school, this was just life, and it seemed so so dull, so monotonous, and um, uh, so just like uh, uneventful. And I remember when I was in my junior year of high school, um, you know, everyone started studying for SATs, thinking about college. And uh, around the same time, all of a sudden, you know, the, uh, the class load I had got a lot more strenuous, uh, taking, you know, uh, chemistry and uh, different, you know, more uh, advanced forms of physics and things that were in uh, actually a literature class, I recall very specifically, that really, you know, kind of caused me to, to think and to reassess. And um, at the same time, you know, at, uh, after school, going to uh, SAT prep classes and ACT and it was just all of a sudden you went from just complete uh, monotony to really being pushed. And it was interesting. I remember the uh, junior here going through all that and um, getting to the point where, you know, I finished my SATs, finished my ACTs, uh, finished my last uh, uh, final and um, coming home and thinking, you know, now what? Like, you know, you spent all this time uh, feeling like a zombie and then all of a sudden you reach these levels of uh, productivity where you're you know, going to the library and really like learning for uh, uh, more so than just uh, in the sense of, you know, uh, absorbing information. And I didn't know what to do with myself. And I was thinking, you know, well, what did I used to do? Well, I'd come home and I'd turn on the TV and lay in my bed and just kind of like fall asleep. So I turn on the uh, the TV and uh, Full House is on. Uh, great, great children's show. <laughs> And uh, uh, I'm laying there, and then all of a sudden, uh, I wake up, and the, uh, the phone is ringing. And this epiphany hits me, uh, and it was uh, life-changing, and it was so simple. And the whole idea was this, is that you don't know you're sleeping until you wake up. And I spent so many years just in this, uh, this uh, repeated motion of uh, going to school, you know, doing the bare minimum to kind of get by, and uh, then going home and just filling my uh, head with uh, nonsense of... Uh, uh, TV, eating, and um, uh, sleep. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, when I'm basically forced into this uncomfortable situation, um, this enlightening moment happens where I realize that the last, you know, four plus years of my life, I was just sleeping. And um, it was uh, it was life-changing in that regards because all of a sudden I realized that there was more to life than just going through the motions. And it was such a blessing to be able to have this experience at such a young age um, and you think about how many people they're into their, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, and all of a sudden they realize that they're on autopilot, um, that they didn't have the opportunity to stop and reflect and, you know, think conscientiously of what it is they're doing. And it's such a blessing to, to take that in consideration and think, you know, how can we tell that, um, that we're not sleeping, that we're not sleeping, you know, metaphorically through life. Uh, that we're really present in the moment and we're absorbing everything that's happening in our lives. And the thing is, God is trying to teach us a lesson 
every single day of our lives. You know, there's a lesson plan, there's a curriculum. And we can either decide to be active participants, similar to the kid who sits in front of the class, is asking questions and is uh, absorbing the information, or we can choose to be passive, uh, very similar to the individual who's sitting in the back of the class, just sleeping through and getting by. And it's a real waste when you think about it, is each day that we're not present, each day that we're not taking uh, heed, taking notice, um, being uh, tentative to the uh, message that God is trying to teach us, we're losing out on that, uh, that information. We're losing out on that uh, ability to grow. Uh, it's kind of like you miss out on, you know, uh, days or weeks or years of uh, going to the gym. And then all of a sudden, you know, you have to endure physical activity and it's uh, very cumbersome. And, you know, God gives us the example that when we're sleeping, I mean, literally an uh, infinite amount of time can go by and we'd be completely oblivious to it. Um, in 2.259, we read the examples as consider the one who passed by the ghost town and wondered, how can God revive this after, uh, after had died? God then put him to death for a hundred years, then resurrected him. He said, how long have you stayed here? He said, I've been here a day or part of a day. He said, no, you've been here a hundred years. Yet look at the, your food and drink. They did not spoil. Look at your donkey. We thus render you a lesson for the people. Now note how we construct the bones, then cover them with flesh. When he realized what had happened, he said, now I know that God is omnipotent. And, you know, we see an example, this, this man sleeping for a hundred years and has absolutely no clue of how much time has passed by. And um, another example is with the uh, sleepers of Ephesus in chapter 18, verse 19. It says, when, he re when we resurrected them, they asked each other, how long have you been here? We have been here one day or part of a day, they answered. Your Lord knows best how long you have stayed here. So let us send one of us with this money to the city. Let him fetch the cleanest food and buy some for us. Let him keep a low profile and attract no attention. And between these two incidents, we have, you know, someone who slept for 100 years and then the, uh, the uh, sleepers of Ephesus who slept for uh, 300 years. And, you know, during that time, in essence, it's a, you know, a whole lot of times gone by and it seemed like nothing. And it's the same thing when we are in this life and we're not actively participating, we're not uh, treasuring these moments to really like thank God, be appreciative, uh, to uh, be tentative to what God is trying to teach us through our day-to-day -day, uh, lessons. Um, it's as if, you know, the time's gone by and it means absolutely nothing to us. Um, other verses in the Quran talks about when people are resurrected on the uh, day of judgment and they're asked, how long have you been here? And some people say a couple days or part of a day. And that's what it's going to appear like because the only thing that's going to really matter in the hereafter is what did we do to basically nurture uh, our spiritual selves? What did we do to nurture our souls? And how we nurture our souls is by pleasing God. And those are the only moments that are really going to count. You know, everything else, in essence, ends up being a form of just, you know, entertainment or vanity, but it's not substantial. And what is substantial is these moments that we, we, uh, we take to thank God, to m remember God, uh, to do our contact prayers, to give to charity, to do, you know, righteous work. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, what are we doing with our time? And how can we tell if we are metaphorically speaking? You know, when we're actually sleeping, um, there are certain indicators that tell us, you know, oh, you're asleep. And for instance, you know, uh, if uh, you're questioning in your dream if you're actually sleeping or awake, one of the indicators might be that, hey, the uh, laws of physics aren't applying. Like all of a sudden you can fly or, you know, be uh, in the bottom of the ocean and you don't need air. And it's probably an indication that, you know, you're sleeping. Or if... Uh, you know, there is no real time lapse that all of a sudden things are uh, one time you're on the top of a rooftop, then you're in the, uh, on a pirate ship, and then, you know, you're in a cave or whatever, and there is no uh, continuity. 
Uh, it's probably a sign that you're sleeping, but how can we tell in our real lives that if we're really metaphorically spe uh, sleeping? And um, one of the ways that we can tell is basically, you know, uh, assessing our our um, our goals and our intentions. And uh, you know, we consider someone who can plan or, or basically uh, predict the future and plan accordingly. Uh, you know, very intelligent. Uh, you know, we name. Um, uh, buildings after them and we read their books and you know we give them all kinds of honor and praise and uh, a good example of this is in 2008 during the whole uh, subprime loan meltdown uh, John Paulson he made a 3.7 billion dollars in 2007 and then another 2 billion in 2008 uh, because he predicted this accurately you know that's more than uh, $5,400 per minute every minute for two years straight uh, and that's insane. But <laughs> the thing is, you know, people look at this and they say, wow, what an you know, intelligent, bright uh, individual. We should definitely, you know, take heed and listen to him. And what does he have to say? And the actuality is that, you know, this money he accumulated in this life, it's completely meaningless uh, unless he uses it to do, you know, righteous work to grow a soul. Because at the end of the day, when he uh, departs from this world, he's not going to take any of this with him. Um, it's very similar to the uh, parable in the Bible about the, uh, the farmer who, uh, you know, he has so much grain that as opposed to, you know, doing something righteous with it, he says, Hey, why don't I just build a uh, larger, <laughs> uh, barn so I can store more of this grain. And that's the reality. It's like, you know, having money in itself should not be our end goal. Uh, what we do with it. And I personally don't know what John Paulson is doing with his money, but the, the sheer aspect of accumulation should not be the end goal. Uh, the end goal is always, what can we do to please God? What can we do to earn more righteous uh, works? Um, because that's the only thing that's going to matter in, in this life and in the hereafter. And our entire purpose in this life is to determine if we choose to be with God or not. And where we end up with this decision has 100% to do with the righteous work we choose to do. Uh, that being said, I mean, we have to think, how are we planning accordingly? You know, most people, they'll spend, if they're young, you know, their students are going to spend 8, 10, 12 hours a day uh, trying to accumulate knowledge, trying to, you know, basically uh, study for a test, for an exam, so they can, you know, uh, if they're in high school, so they can go to a good university, and if they're a good university, so they can get a good job. Um, but if our only intent is to gain knowledge for the sake of, you know, doing well in school, then it's probably a good sign that we're sleeping, that we're metaphorically sleeping, because that shouldn't be our end goal. And if we don't have our priorities set accordingly, then we're going to basically get into this rat race uh, in this mentality of just, you know, always trying to, uh, in essence, achieve what should just be the, the means, not the ends. You know, while learning is a great virtue and making it uh, to a good university, is, you know, it's a good achievement, it shouldn't be our end goal. Um, it, you know, it should be in the sense that we're trying to accumulate this knowledge, this wisdom, so we can grow spiritually, so we can grow in appreciation. So if our goal is to get a good job, which in itself is, uh, is fine, that it shouldn't stop there, you know. So how many people, they spend 8, 10, 12, however many uh, hours a day uh, working, you know, in a job that they're strictly doing for the sake of being able to be uh, promoted and make more money. And again, if, if that's our only intent is to make money, to get a promotion, to exalt ourselves, then it's probably a sign that we're metaphorically uh, sleeping, you know, that we're not uh, being active participants in life, that we're not really living life. And, um, we should always be focused on what our end goal is, you know, our end goal for going to school, uh, getting good grades, uh, going to work, making a lot of money should always be in the sense of to please God. 
uh, if our intent is to go to school, is to get a good career so you can make lots of money, then it's probably, you know, uh, not a good sign. We have to continue, you know, continue forward with that, uh, that, uh, that reasoning that, you know, it doesn't stop there because what would happen inevitably is you're going to get the good grades. You're going to get to a good university, but you're never going to be fulfilled. You know, you're going to get that good job. You're going to spend hours working. You're going to get the promotion, yet you're going to be depressed. You're going to be upset. You're going to be uh, lacking in meaning. And if you want to have true meaning in our lives, we have to do what God tells us. And that the only thing that's going to matter is uh, what do we do for our souls? You know, what are we doing to please God? What are we doing to, um, uh, to grow in righteousness? Um, you know, knowledge and money, these are, you know, these are means for our true goal. Um, when we go to school and we're learning, we should be thinking, you know, how's this going to benefit my soul? How's this going to make me more appreciative? How's this going to make me more, uh, productive? So God willing, I can make more money so I can give to more to charity, uh, so I can do more righteous deeds and, uh, help out others. Um, at the end of the day, we're here to serve, you know, and that's how we're really going to get the fulfillment in our life. Um, you know, if God provides me with a tool, be it knowledge or money, you know, I can choose it only to, to chase the materials of this life, uh, that I'm not using the resources that God provided uh, to me to gain anything for the hereafter. And the caveat to that is if we basically use the resources that God gave us, you know, be it the knowledge, the time, the money uh, for the hereafter, not only are we going to basically be happy and uh, successful in the hereafter, we're going to be happy and successful in this life. Um, so if learning is going to allow me to, to go to a good university so I can get a good job, so I can make more money, so I can do more righteous work to please God, then it's probably a sign that I'm actually awake. You know, how many people can say that, you know, their intention uh, to make money, uh, to get a good job, to go to a good university is to uh, please God? You know, the thing is when we make God our priority, when the actions we do are to please God, you know, we're always going to be satisfied. We're always going to be fulfilled. And, um, you know, the way we do that, again, is by uh, serving others. It's by doing righteous work, by giving to charity, uh, by uh, growing, you know, uh, spiritually uh, and being cognizant of the lessons that God is trying to teach us in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, everything, you know, every interaction we have, uh, every encounter we have, every conversation we have, every, uh, you know, event that we take note of, there's something to learn there. There's something for us to grow from. And if we're only sitting there passively, we're going to miss out on those opportunities. Um, you know, and the, the irony is when, <laughs> when you have this mentality, you know, inevitably you're going to get mocked and ridiculed. Some of you guys might be listening to this right now and mocking and ridiculing me, and that's fine. <laughs> um, and, you know, when, when this happens, we have to basically make sure that our priorities aren't to, to please others. They're strictly to please God. And God tells us, you know, what happens to uh, individuals who uh, might, you know, mock and ridicule these, uh, these priorities. In 23, 109 through 115, it reads, A group of my servants used to say, Our Lord, we have believed, so forgive us and shower us with your mercy. Of all the merciful ones, you are the most merciful. But you mocked and ridiculed them to the extent you, that you forgot me. You used to laugh at them. I have rewarded them today in return for the, their steadfastness by making them the winners. He said, How long have you lasted on earth? How many years? They said, We lasted a day or part of a day. Ask those who counted. He said, In fact, you have uh, stayed but a brief interim, if you only knew. Did you think that we created you in vain, that you were not to be returned to us? When people find out that our true intentions are to please God, uh, that the reason that we want to make uh, money, the reason we want to learn is because we want to basically grow our souls, grow our understanding, and ultimately to, uh, to please God. Um, a lot of people, you know, for them, it's so foreign, so uh, backwards 
that it's perplexing. And uh, the irony is, you know, God is telling us that these individuals, they're as if they're spending this entire life in a sleep state, in a coma state. Uh, they're chasing an illusion, no different than when they dream. And, uh, you know, in the dreams, we have these uh, events that are taking place and they seem so meaningful in the dream. Then you wake up and you realize, oh, it's completely fruitless. And, you know, let's never get to a state that we're basically just going through the motions, that we're chasing these illusions. Um, let's always keep the focus 100% on God, 100% on growing our souls, and uh, we'll never be disappointed. In chapter 30, verse 6 through 8, it says, Preoccupation with the wrong life. So such is God's promise, and who, God never breaks His promise, but most people do not know. They care only about things of this world that are visible to them, while being totally oblivious to the hereafter. Why do they not reflect on themselves? God did not create the heavens and the earth and everything between them, except for a specific purpose and for a specific lifespan. However, most people with regard to meeting their Lord are disbelievers. And then again in 2964 through 66, it reads, Rearrange your priorities. It says, This worldly life is no more than vanity and play, while the abode of the hereafter is the real life, if they only knew. When they ride on a ship, they implore God, devoting their prayers to Him, but as soon as He saves them to the shore, they revert to idolatry. Let them disbelieve in what we have given them, and let them enjoy temporarily. They will surely find out. So God willing, let's keep our priorities straight. Let's uh, you know motivate and encourage one another to, um, to always uh, think about the bigger picture. Think about not just uh, the, uh, the vanities of this world, but ultimately, if God gives us wealth, gives us wisdom, gives us knowledge, what are we going to do with it? Um, and then in addition, you know, why is it that we're, what, are, what is our true goal when we are trying to, you know, um, achieve wealth, uh, knowledge, income, you name it. Um, and if our uh, intentions are 100% to please God, then we can guarantee that, you know, we're not sleeping, uh, we are awake, and we are conscientious of the uh, blessings that God has given us. Uh, God willing, we're going to end there. If you guys got any comments, questions, hit us up at Talk at gmail.com. This was uh, kind of a different format than uh, than the past, but um, recently just thought about that uh, that event of my life, and it was uh, kind of meaningful. And just wanted to kind of see, you know, what verses uh, reflect that for me, and uh, inshallah is uh, beneficial for anyone listening. Until next time, peace and God bless.